wholeness comes from the inside out. When we're living congruently with our values, there's happiness because there is that sense of wholeness. Is wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. Hugh is one of those masters in life that makes you feel like a soul sibling. His dedication to growth and learning has made him a favorite expert here at the Wholeness Network. I am positive you will feel his gentle, healing heart in this conversation. Hugh is known for Mustang medicine. You must check out one of his events. The transformation you will experience there is beyond words. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Are you really good? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. good. Good. Has it yeah. been a long few years? Um, Catch me up. It has been a few years mm -hmm. since we last chatted. Mm -hmm. um, parts of it have been long. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And parts of it have been short. I think the last year, I can't believe the last year has gone by. Right. So that part feels like unexplainably efficient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's an interesting word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just felt so in flow. Oh, good. And yeah. I, I feel like life is very, very efficient when it's in flow. Mm -hmm. And the more efficient it is from my perspective, mm -hmm. the faster time goes. Right. Because I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not trying to force anything. I'm not trying to control anything. Yeah. And so then then all of a sudden it's like I wake up and then I go to bed. And I'm like, right. wow, that was an amazing day. Good. So, good. I'm glad. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I love your I love that your all the posts that you've been making on the wholeness network. Thank you. It's been good to go back through all of that. And yeah. one of my most favorite people ever is um, Paul Young. Mm -hmm. I just, and I've gone back and I've watched that video yep. that you guys did. Yeah. And I just can never get enough of it. I share it with right. everyone. Right. I know. He's so amazing. Yeah. I Have you ever heard of Brian McLaren? Uh-uh. Okay. So Brian McLaren is kind of in that same circle. And I just got to interview him like yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. And so William Paul Young and then is like friends with Richard Rohr. Do you know Richard Rohr? Oh, one of my favorite authors. Okay. So yeah. Br Brian McLaren is probably going to be the new Richard Rohr. Like they no are, way. He works at the, he, he works with him. At the center. At the center. Uh-huh. And so his podcast, Learning How to See, you would really like it. Wow. And Richard's on there all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. You sold me. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was able, he came to town and I was able to meet him actually like yeah. in person and yeah. interview him. And oh, I could have been there for hours, like yeah. could have been there for hours. You know what? He's cool because he's. He's a theologian. He was he used to be a pastor, but he is also very, like like science, you know, like so it's all that thing. His his latest book, which was the is so good, 
should I stay Christian? Do I stay Christian? That's his latest book. Ooh, what, what have you read it yet? Oh yeah. You'll have and, to read it. So what's the, what's the conclusion? Like at the end of the chapter, do you feel like you should stay Christian? Well, what's interesting is, is that, so the book is, is set up into three areas. Like, yeah. so it's area one. No, that's the name. That's the whole, no. Yeah. And he just goes through, here's why. No, like, yeah. here's all the terrible things. Because he's really talking about culture. He's talking about how we've organized a way of being yes. into a thing of doing. And it never works that way. Yeah. That's very Rorian. Yes. Would be and the guess. history, you know, the history. Um, and, you know, I mean, L Martin Luther was instrumental in in the Reformation. However, Hitler got most of his understanding of an Aryan nation from Martin Luther's writings. Yeah. So those complexity in these things, right? Like, yeah. and you would love him because, so he grew up, Brian McLaren grew up um, evangelical. So he knows all that, like, like he talked about, um, he's like, yeah, I was always sold. I was always told about the William Wilberforce. Like that was always like my tradition stopped slavery yeah but then he grows up and he's like wait we were using christianity to you know we were using the bible to to say that that was righteous you know so he's like yeah he that's that's i just watched an interview with um ben shapiro and sam harris uh -huh. and sam harris is like the premise of being christian in the bible is that it promulgated the ideas and and the culture of slavery yeah and and ben Shapiro was like yeah but it also inspired the men who abolished slavery yes and and so you get both sides of it and yes i think both sides are true right like, well that to me in that in that complexity is the only place that you're able to actually agent for your make a choice do you know what i mean when both appear yeah. That's the only, that's where the space comes in that you make a choice. <laughs> if something yeah. wasn't complex, then there's no choice. In fact, so Brian yeah. actually has his own like stages of faith, you know, which uh -huh. are simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. Ooh, I like that. You'd like it. So anyway, yeah. so the first part of the book is no. The second and part I, of the book. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I just love that, that they're using the term and that you're using the term complexity versus yeah. complicated. Yeah. Because I think, I think both are true. It can be very right. complicated when you get into historicity of mm -hmm. the Bible and, and all that stuff, but, but it's actually just complex. Yeah. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to hold mm -hmm. in, in balance, both viewpoints Yeah. to your point to make, to make your choice. Yep. And, and it's, it's a, and to look at it as a way of uh, integral um, kind of maturity level, you know, like going into phase instead of just, hey, you're pull yourself together. Well, it's like, well, you have to build upon, you have to mature in this, yeah, in your way of fathing kind of a thing. Yeah. So really, really good. Yeah. And then part two of the book is yes, you know, and it's, it's yes. And then part three is if yes, how? Mm. you know mm. so but but all I think, along go yeah. ahead go ahead oh that i really like that perspective because if i were to 
drill down what the last like 18 months to two years, Mm -hmm. it's been my articulation of if yes, this is how, Mm -hmm. according to Hugh. (laughs) Right. Which is, oh man, Hugh, I've missed, there's been, the last few years have been huge. Like I've missed having too many people I can go into these deep, deep yeah levels with so it's yeah. been a very a little bit isolating the last few years but yeah it's like there's been huge things we'll have to talk about that like but yeah. honestly um yeah I think and I think that's that's the the ultimate complexity is as many people as there are are as many ways that it's supposed to be well I had a chance years ago this is going back like maybe 2012 mm-hmm. might be the time frame. Yeah. And I got to sit down with a, a professor who was the Dean of religion at Brigham Young university. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised at his perspectives, mm-hmm. particularly at his uh, language mm-hmm. and the terms that he would use and then the definitions. In fact, I took mm. this, I want to say it was a six, it was either a six week long course or a 12 week long course. It might've yeah. been a 12 week long course. Mm-hmm. We met once a week and there was only like 20 of us that were invited to kind of beta test this course out that he was working on. And it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. it came with a glossary of terms and definitions. Mm-hmm. One of the definitions that has stuck with me since then is religion there are just as many religions as there are people mm-hmm. because his point of view his perspective is that religion is a way of thinking speaking acting and believing mm-hmm. and so we all have our own yeah. way the way that we filtered it mm-hmm. and that then creates our patterns and our habits and that is our religion mm-hmm. Richard Rohr's point, which I found years later, uh, that he speaks about in the Universalist, the Universal Christ, Mm -hmm. is he says um, that religion, when you go back to the Latin version of the word, Mm -hmm. it's religio, it's Mm -hmm. to re-ligament. Yes. To find the things that you feel are broken and to make them whole. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what our religion does. Yeah. And that's everything that's in my life, not Mm -hmm. just the place that I go to church. Right, right, right. And Chauncey, then um, the guy I was taking the course from in 2012, Mm -hmm. he then said, so if that's what religion is, then we also have to define church. Right. And he said, your church is the place of where you promulgate your religion. Mm -hmm. And so it got me thinking and I was like, oh, that means that coffee is a way of thinking and acting and speaking and believing about coffee. Right. And and then Starbucks would be a, a church of coffee and, and beans <laughs> yeah, yeah. of brew would be a church of coffee. Right. If, if, if Starbucks were to say, we are the only true church of coffee, 
it would it would be odd. It would be like, right. no, coffee's much bigger than you. Right. It, but but that is your way of doing it. And mm -hmm. and so that gets to be your one of your religions. Mm -hmm. and, and and then I was thinking, oh, well, that'd be the same with yoga. It's like yeah. yoga is a religion. It's a way of thinking and acting and believing and breathing and 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 moving your body and, mm -hmm. and making peace with things and unifying. Right. And then you'd have like Bob's hot yoga studio would be a church of right. Of yoga. And if Bob's hot yoga studio was running around telling everyone he was the one and only yoga, like he was the true and only yoga right. studio, it'd be like, no, yoga is so much bigger than, right. than what your studio is able to organize. Mm -hmm. That's how I was able to make sense with it. And so I totally agree with, with uh, your point is like there's just a there's a there's like almost eight billion religions that are mm -hmm. out there, um, yeah. because it's our way of trying to find wholeness within ourselves. Yeah, organized religion I think is where it separates. That's just religion. This is mm -hmm. the this is the debate I always end up getting in with people because it's like right. well, organized religion would be a different term with a different definition. Mm -hmm. That's just religion. Right, right. So, so organized religion is I think where we get into like. God and my version of God mm -hmm. and the way that I've been taught it and the way that that my uh my organization the scriptures that they hold canonical and mm -hmm. uh are, are the the way to to read it to interpret it to experience it and that's where it's like no no yeah. I, I think God is too big for that you know, I, I probably told you before, and I've talked about it a few times, but you know, when, when I was little, I was shown like a square and and I remember being taught like, this is kind of what you'll understand in this realm. And when you move to the next realm, it's like a cube. And so it'll be familiar, but don't get caught in the box. Like don't get caught in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And then years later, that cube all of a sudden turning into a fractal, you know, where it was like, this is never ending. This is everything pivots on the one square, depending on if it's your square. But that doesn't mean it's not all, you know, it's all part of the whole and it's, it holds its place to keep it all together. But don't get stuck on the square. <laughs> there was a time in my life. Th this is what's so interesting. When I have realized it's bigger. Mm -hmm. I am so more so much more loving mm. and accepting right i feel like i have so much more space for allowing others mm -hmm. uh, to belong mm -hmm. to um be nurtured yes um when i believed it was mine and it fit in the box yeah i felt like I felt that it wasn't as big. I felt like my mm -hmm. belonging wasn't as big. My right. capacity to nurture, like really nurture, mm -hmm. because I think nurturing comes from accepting. Mm -hmm. And and so I guess I'm just thinking about my own emotions of what it felt like in that moment relating to, to your moment where it was mm -hmm. like, Oh, it is so much bigger right. and there's so much more space for all of us. And, mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it, and what is unifying is mm -hmm. of God. Mm 
mm-hmm. and what says it's it's outside mm-hmm. is I would say is um well gosh it would have to also be of God but it would be me placing judgments and limitations on it right because Richard Rohr I think it was Richard Rohr who said either everything is of God or nothing mm-hmm. is, is of God you, you don't have some things that fit outside right. the box that are of God and some things inside the box that are not of God or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's either, it's like the ego is just as much of God as consciousness is. Mm -hmm. Right. But but when you learn to harmonize that Mm -hmm. and you've worked through the perplexities of the ego, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, it all has a space. It all has a place. It all belongs. Yeah. It's, it's just the earthly experience to wrestle with, with the tree of life, which I think mm-hmm. is the world of duality. It's mm-hmm. good. It's evil. It's virtue. It's vice. It's mm-hmm. light. It's shadow. It's, it's, it's just all of it. Yeah. And I think that's how big God, that's how big it is. I think that's mm-hmm. also how big we are. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the thing is you, 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 there's, there's patterns of it. If I go and spend time in a, in a kindergarten for not very long, you know, they're going to feel like so many things are black and white. You know, they're this person's bad. They hate this person. They are hurt. You know, like yeah. And in and 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 me, I would be in there and be like, it's all good. Like this yeah. first grade comes and then second. Like this is not what you know. To me, it would not have those same. It would not my my sensations in my body would not be acting the same way theirs is over what's going on because I would right. just be like. I know that's hard, but you're going to be fine. Like you're this good. is, yeah. this is, yeah, you're good. Like, um, but. Well, it requires wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that, that's what, what wisdom is, is, is the ability to manage the complexity. Yeah. Um, And when we're managing it, we're looking at, is this the right thing? Is it happening mm-hmm. at the right time? Right. Is it happening for the right reason? Right am I in the right place to, to engage with this wisdom can make, make a determination as to what is most appropriate for my own human experience and for the impact that my choices are going to have, you know, with, with those that I'm sharing this space with, Mm -hmm. like that requires wisdom. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a cowboy, there's a, there's a really cool cowboy saying, it says good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, there's still no judgment about it. What there ends up being is discernment. And yeah. There's a difference between judgment and discernment. Mm. And part of, I would think part of that is what you choose to bring back from that you know I mean I I remember being shown once you know here I'm very it's like seems like there's very literal forward and backward you know like moving forward or moving backward and and all of a sudden it was like man I only have to go a few miles up where all of a sudden they're forward is it doesn't mean anything forward is in every direction so all of a sudden it was like what what what's your progression you know it was almost like if I move forward or whatever I, that means, what did I gain 
as I moved there? What perspective do I get to bring back to center? But that's interesting because I because I think of yours then just a few minutes ago when you talked about the square and then yeah. and then the square becomes the cube. Yeah. It it's like in the square in that 2D realm. Yes. Forwards then has backwards. Right. Because it's just it's a two dimension. It's the it's duality. It's right. just it's just there's only there's only there's there's forwards and there's backwards and there's left and there's right. Yeah. But when I can make peace with that perplexity. Then I can graduate. I don't know if that's the right word, but then I can move into the cube right? where now I'm in the 3D. Mm -hmm. So what once was backwards is yet still forward. Mm -hmm. What once was was right is still right. forward. Right, 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 right. It's still forward. It, you yeah. still progressed. You know, you still had progression because you expanded who you were. In yeah, because we're in, a th we're in we're in the we're in the. I guess if you have duality, there's probably a term I've never thought about it. But then now we're stepping into like triality. Yeah. <laughs> or or I guess the term that they use in quantum physics is is plurality. Plurality. It's like there's 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 multiple options now. Well, and that's my latest thing is moving into. I mean, the multiverse. Like, is the multiverse? the ultimate um answer for christ in the meaning that the anointed one christ's um infinite atonement infinite at onement yeah is the key the the multi the multiverse and if if i live in the multiverse then at one point i am I mean, it, you know, I, I actually experience every single possibility. I, I don't know the science as much, but, you know, then then I do become, I literally in another multiverse become the Christ itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. Like, to me, what if that's, that to me seems like the most whole experience I could have if I were able to actually experience every single possibility for me and for everyone else. Yeah, I I think that that's possible in a world of duality, when when you've got your two ways, your two options. In the only way I think that's possible is this concept of the mirror, mm -hmm. where everything is a mirror to me. You know, in horsemanship, they say the horse is the mirror to the soul, mm -hmm. and you go, oh well, that's really poetic and that's really cute. Yeah, but if the horse is the mirror to the soul, well, then so is the tree right so, so so is is the dog right so is my partner right so, so is everything and so when people come and they they bring their horses to me it's like i can see into that person's life mm -hmm. just by spending 20 30 minutes with their horse mm -hmm. if i have so a mirror to the soul means a mirror to your shadows and a mirror to your shine yes it's both so if I've got a horse that meets me at the gate, now I'm starting to see some of your strengths and some of your excellences that are now coming out in the horse. And he's mm -hmm. mirroring that. Yeah. Um, and then if I have um, 
like a horse that I go to put a halter on and he, and he winces his face away like that. Ah, mm-hmm. Please don't hit me. It's like, Oh, now I'm seeing your anger. Mm. Right. Because, because that horse, it doesn't naturally shy away from it unless he's had bad experience with it. And so mm-hmm. what is he mirroring of his experiences with the human putting mm-hmm. a halter on? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so now I'm, he's starting to mirror some of the shadow that's, mm-hmm. that's there. So a timid horse is an angry human. Mm-hmm. See how that's mirroring that out? Like mm-hmm. it's the same with the children, right? Mm-hmm. A, a timid child is just an angry parent. Yeah. And, and, and so th- this concept of the mirror mm-hmm. is I think a way to see that I am all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and if I'm all of it, well, then that means so are my shadows and and so is my shine, mm-hmm. right? So is my light. And yeah, this, this concept of the mirror has been so perplexing for mm-hmm. me over the last mm-hmm. like two years. Mm-hmm. I would even say 18 months because mm-hmm. I don't even know if two years ago I even got it. Right. But now I can't not get it. Mm-hmm. And and it's like everything everything is just reflecting back to me mm. um, and the mirror removes it. here's the value of the mirror the mirror not only shows us that i am everything and everything is me and mm-hmm. vice versa mm-hmm. but it also removes me from blame and allows me to step into choice and accountability mm-hmm. just really been challenging for me because if I, if I was in a business meeting and I said, who's accountable for this? It's like, what what's really being asked? It's like, mm-hmm. who am I to blame? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But Brene Brown said there is an inverse relationship between blame and accountability. Mm-hmm. So you can't have one in the other. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, one of there's a coach that I go to, his name's Colton Brockbank. And uh, he told, he gave me this, fantastic definition of accountability. And he said, accountability is the ability to account for what happened without finding fault. Mm. Yeah. Now this is the same concept we were talking about earlier with Paul Young and, and that video that he has on, mm-hmm. on your website that he did for you guys. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, Christ never did anything out of responsibility. Yeah. And his whole concept was that if you take a verb which mm-hmm. is the ability to account or the ability to respond and you convert it into a noun right now yeah. you've got responsibility. It's now a thing when yes. it used to be an action word. Yes. And that's where shame, blame and shame mm-hmm. reside in the way we communicate in mm-hmm. our intention, because we're no longer responding or accounting. Mm-hmm. We're, we're now finding fault. We're now figuring out who's to be punished. We're right. Now, and and so the mirror is like, well, if everything is just a reflection back to me, well, then I don't want to punish you because by punishing you, I'd be punishing me. Mm-hmm. And that's this really hard, once we can get that concept, I think we graduate from the square to the cube. Mm-hmm. So let me see if I can make sense of this. So, <laughs> so what was... So, you know, I always, I always talk about our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, and that physical body is those sensations are, that's how we know what's going on. Like that, the communication within the physical body is really our experience. 
So as you, so, I so believe, I believe emotions are the messengers from God. Okay. And how do you, how do you know those emotions exist through some because kind feel, of sensation in the body? Because right? of a feeling, right? Yes, they, a feeling. they say an emotion is an accumulation of feelings. Yeah. So when you, so when we have this mirror, you know, so I, I would guess when you say I didn't get it, I, I, I mean, I think everybody's there. We're, we're not getting it because yeah. when that mirror shows up, those sensations are just uncomfortable, possibly, right? Yeah. They're uncomfortable. Very, unco- very bitter. Right. Very, very bitter. Very bitter. And so how did those... So understanding what was the bridge that brought those sensations from bitter to, to almost empowering, right? Because that, that, that's probably the, where those, those, those sensations, that mirror now becomes what empowers you versus what you want to pull away from and resist. What, yeah. How do you get there? What's that like for you? Well, well, for me, what happened was I had patterns that were painful mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. The patterns kept showing up. Mm-hmm. And you only got, for me, I only had two options. Mm-hmm. I'm either the victim to these patterns, which means people are just um, untrustworthy, mm-hmm. people abandoned, people abuse, people betray, mm-hmm. people uh, reject. Uh, people will despise. And that is a world that is too painful for me to live in anymore. Mm-hmm. That's that I came, come to that place in my life. Right. And in duality, both are true. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that that was wrong. I wasn't trying to disprove it. What I was trying to do is align myself with the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I have these painful patterns that keep repeating in my life. Mm-hmm. And I need to figure out what in me is attracting and aligning with this pattern. Mm-hmm. And that means that I now have to be a co-creator mm-hmm. to my patterns or of my patterns. Be accountable so, in a way. To be accountable. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do is I had to say, Yes, abandonment is a thing that happens, but if I wanted the opposite of abandonment to show up in my life, according to Brene Brown, then what what would start to show up would be belonging. Mm-hmm. Abandonment and belonging have you know being two ends of the the spectrum. Yeah, the spectrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, if I was experiencing betrayal, then what I really wanted was was loyal. Right. I wanted to be more more of those experiences Mm -hmm. because both were available. But, but if I, if I keep being a victim to the things that repeat in my life, Mm -hmm. then I have to be asleep. So I have not awakened. Right. Because the victim is never awakened. Mm. And, and Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be the victim anymore. And I started to hear one of my patterns was that person abandoned me, that person betrayed me. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking into this concept of the mirror, which was very, very challenging, but this is the bridge that took me over mm-hmm. is that I realized abandonment and belonging cannot coexist in, in my experience. I, I'm either experiencing right. believing, telling a story about one and making that story, my true story. Right. 
And so what I realized is that all sense of belonging I had given to someone else. Mm-hmm. And when I give it to someone else, I can, I'm now self-abandoning my belonging to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you need to do things that allow me to feel like I belong because mm-hmm. I cannot figure out the things to do that allow me to belong to me. Mm-hmm. So for me to experience belonging, I need you to, to take care of that for me. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing that I found out mm-hmm. by the self-abandonment, I was only going to experience the abandonment from others. Mm-hmm. That became the mirror. Mm-hmm because I've already abandoned myself. So Mm -hmm. I cannot be abandoned when I belong to myself, regardless of what other people do. Right. You were standing on the, on the spectrum of abandonment and wanting belonging. Yeah. You're standing on abandoned. You're at this end of the pole. Yeah. Got to find a way. We got to find our true self, which is probably somewhere. I mean, we're always belonging to ourselves, but somewhere in the, like along the spectrum is this is me. Yeah. So what, yeah, what happened with me was that all of a sudden I was like, well, why don't I belong to myself? Why do I keep giving my sense of belonging to someone else? Mm -hmm. Why don't I just give it to myself? Cause it's there, Mm -hmm. but I'm not accepting it and I'm not receiving it. Right. So what is it that I believe about me and where did that belief come from? Yeah. And what that did is that took me down this path of identifying or becoming aware of my own emotional wounds and traumas that I had about me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Eckhart Tolle says that the awakening to our consciousness first comes from awareness. Mm-hmm. And for me, the awareness came for what my emotional wounds and traumas were, because that's what I was putting out there. That's what I was accepting. Yeah. That's then that's what was showing up because that's what was mirroring, mirroring back to me. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I noticed about it was that um, anybody that I was trying to give my sense of belonging to and they accepted it did not belong to themselves. Mm. Because if I really belong to me and you come to me in a sense of codependency, mm-hmm. but I have self belonging. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read your codependency from mm-hmm. a mile away. Mm-hmm. And I know that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that that doesn't work is because I now have learned to belong to myself. Mm-hmm. When I want to, when I learn to belong to myself, now the only thing I want is for you to know that you belong to you. Mm-hmm. And so if you come to me with codependency, mm-hmm. thinking that I'm going to make you enough, I'm going to provide you with your sense of belonging. The only person that can do that is someone who belongs to themselves. But what they know is that belonging comes from Mm self-belonging. So I'm not going to accept your codependency. I'm going to help you become aware of what your emotional wounds and traumas are so that you then will all of a sudden realize, oh, those aren't true. Mm -hmm. I I am enough. I now belong to myself. Mm -hmm. Now, what two people who come together who have their own sense of belonging, mm-hmm. what they create is a true partnership that's mm-hmm. based in sovereignty mm-hmm. r- rather than the codependency. Mm-hmm. And so a buddy of mine, you remember Derek? I think Derek so. and I, 
Derek and I were chatting about sovereignty and he came up with this gorgeous definition of sovereignty. And he said, what it is, is the ability to walk alone together. Mm. Because if I'm just able to walk alone sufficiently, I'm independent. Yeah. Right. Right. That can be very lone wolf. Mm -hmm. And some of my buddies, you know, that were green berets or Navy SEALs, they've taught me and mentored me that the one, the lone wolf never survives, Mm -hmm. never survives. And so it looks tough and it looks great, but it's, it's a facade. It's fake. Mm -hmm. And, and you need a team, you need a family, you need friends. You, you, you've got to have that. So then how do I get my friendship when I want my belonging to come from someone else? Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing that can come from that is codependency. Mm-hmm. So then we're betraying each other. We're abandoning each other. Mm-hmm. We're bumping into each other and hurting each other. And that was never our intention. Mm-hmm. But it's coming because I first abandoned myself mm-hmm. and, and tried to get it from you. Mm-hmm. So when I when I went and looked at my emotional wounds and traumas and I was like, oh, I have these beliefs that I believe I'm not enough. And it, you know, so I'm really abandoning myself. I'm misusing myself. I'm betraying myself. So then I just said, okay, well, I've got to go find my wholeness. And I really authentically have to start realizing what is my wholeness. Right. From scratch. From scratch. And uh, one of my friends, I was just chatting with him like a week ago, like five days ago. Yeah. And we were talking about wholeness. And he said, um, he said, will you define for me what, what your definition of wholeness is? Because I'm tired of hearing and reading all the posts on wholeness. And what it looks like to me is bypassing a mm-hmm. bunch of my stuff. Right. And I said, that's often how it is communicated. I don't know uh. if it's communicated intentionally that way, but maybe just poorly articulated that way. But real wholeness is to integrate all my parts. Right. It's, it's all the parts part. that just, it's, some of it's just ugly. Some of it's dark. Some right. of it's light. Some of it's beautiful. Right. I have my deficiencies. There's times that I can be very impatient. Yeah. And I have, I have my excellences. There's times mm-hmm. that I can be very patient. Mm-hmm. And instead of shaming and blaming myself for not being enough, mm-hmm. I can just say, okay, well, here's a part that needs to be loved. Mm-hmm. Here's a part that's not that beautiful, that that needs a hug. Mm-hmm. And it's what makes me, me. Mm-hmm. And when I then will accept that, take accountability for that, the mm-hmm. ability to account for what is without finding fault, mm-hmm. then I'll say, well, this part is also still painful. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make some adjustments in my life mm-hmm. while I'm hugging this and embracing this pain but I'm also going to make some adjustments. And, and this is what I've seen a lot of people think is that when, when we talk about wholeness, we're bypassing those shadow parts. Yeah. Carl Jung said, uh, shadow work is the work of the heart warrior. Mm. And it's like, yep, I've got to bring in all of it without it needing to be any different than it is. Mm -hmm. And by making and embracing my deficiency or my weakness, being enough, mm-hmm. then I think the God within us will start to make those changes mm-hmm. to where my impatience will will start to diminish and my patience will start to grow. Right. 
that if I'm shaming my impatience, my impatience mm-hmm. will only grow and my patience will shrink. Right. A hundred percent. And if you, I mean, if we don't, if we don't love, accept, include all of who we are, we do not have a capacity or a container to be able to do that in anybody else. Yeah, right. It just right. doesn't exist. Like because we don't have the every, tools. Because everything is a mirror to me. So if right. I can't do it to me and you're a mirror of me, then I can't do it to you. Yeah. Yes. Right. Codependency tries to make an argument that you can. Yeah. Right. Codependency yes. is like, no, 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 they'll make you enough. Yeah. And, well, and, and doesn't work. And, and, you know, just listening to you, oh, the pain, because like as a female, uh, and, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like a codependent type personality is what I am. That's like a good woman. <laughs> like that's a yeah. good loving woman. No, no, no. I think you're right. I just want to validate that. I do think that there is a place in the box, in the 2D world, on the shadow side. Yes. If that is a good woman. Right, 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 right. But if we move into the, the, the sunshine, if we move into the cube where there's there's a plurality of, of options and everything is forward, yeah, you cannot get there without sovereignty. Yes. So the codependent woman cannot get into the the the, the world of, of of everything as a as a movement forward without yeah. being sovereign. And I, so, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. I can feel the sensations in my body that say, <laughs> that say, uh, I know, can you help me? Yeah. Which is like, not, yeah. that's the opposite. It's like, that's the codependency. Can yes. you, can you help me? I mean, I feel that in my, okay, I get what you're saying. And I, I want, because I, I like, I, I get what you're saying. I remember um, waking up one morning. Uh, it, waking up it was a Sunday morning I woke up I opened my eyes opened up and it was like I need to read that book codependent no more like mm-hmm. it was I had to drive straight to the thing and buy it like I bought the book the workbook and the audiobook yeah. and was reading it within an hour I knew I had to do that like that was like yeah psh. yeah and since then I've read you know several of those books you know so the the concept is I you know I get it and I and I've even created like a, a step program because of that book how that that's what helped it's like okay how do I get myself out of it because it's so overwhelming so one step at a time you know through through that but I think what you're saying I mean oh my gosh I know we got how can we support people enough in themselves fully 100% so that they have the capacity to be able to make those changes or embrace more more that's probably the best way embrace more yeah i feel like one of the hardest parts is that to to have consciousness you've got three tiers of it is you've got consciousness then you've got subconscious and then you have unconscious Mm. and that unconscious level is where they say shame resides Mm -hmm. and and so you know, I had a partner who I just loved, loved, loved. I, I, I would just, I would wake up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. not realizing I was awake. I was like s- s- sleep 
I wasn't yeah. walking anywhere. I would just wake up like unconscious. Mm -hmm. And apparently this was always, she always told me in the morning time, <laughs> I would wake her up in the middle of the night and I would grab her by the face and I would say, I love you so much. You don't know how wonderful you are. And then I'd like fall back asleep <laughs> or I'd just like lay down and I was still asleep. She would always tell me you did it again. And, and I would never have, it was like my soul just loved everything about her. Mm. And one of the things that was so difficult that I wish I knew now, mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't, I, I handled it as best as I could. I have empathy right for for that but right. man I, if if there was a delorean i would go back in time yes. and i would relive it and because i would do it differently because the thing she could never embrace was um she could never embrace her parts her shadow parts mm -hmm. those things became evidence to her that she wasn't enough which right. Brene Brown, Brene Brown says, um, you know, to not be enough is shame. Mm -hmm. And what I've realized, I, I, I used to, I was so disheartened and so um, that would cause me to feel so much despair, so much hopelessness mm -hmm. to, to love someone so much in my soul and to them not love themselves. Yeah. And, um, and what I realized was that it actually was not about her. Mm. what she was mirroring to me now that I look back on it, mm -hmm. what she was mirroring to me was that there were parts of me that I just could not love. Mm. And I could feel this pain about her not being able to love her, mm -hmm. but really the pain was the parts that I couldn't love about me. Wow. And hard stuff mm -hmm. yeah that's it, it and 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 hard like physically painful those yeah. emotions physically 100%. painful 100 percent. yeah you know and that ultimately led us to uh separating mm -hmm. and in that separation uh there came more pain mm-hmm because I was separating from someone that just my soul absolutely loved mm -hmm. and my, uh, my reasoning behind it, my evidence that I had was that I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. And when you don't feel seen and you don't feel heard, you don't feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. But see, there's the problem is that I was wanting her. I was wanting mm -hmm. my sense of belonging to exist within her mm -hmm. when really it didn't exist within me. Mm. And so there were parts of me that I didn't see and I didn't hear. And so there was parts of me that I didn't feel belonged to me. Mm. So I needed her to change and I needed her to be different so that mm -hmm. I could feel enough so that mm -hmm. I could feel like I belonged and I had a place, mm -hmm. but it had nothing to do with her. I had all the evidence at the time yeah. that, it, that it did. Mm-hmm. But now looking back that everything is a mirror, it's like, oh, I didn't have space for you to not love you mm -hmm. because me not loving me was taking up all my bandwidth. Right. Had I loved me and found that love within me, mm -hmm. well, I would have had plenty of bandwidth mm -hmm. for you to go along that journey. And we could have gone, we could have walked together alone mm. and, and, and chosen in 
to that more and more and more as I was developing my sovereignty and could have could have just been a patient support and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know what it's like to not love parts of me. I know mm-hmm. how hard that struggle is. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get there because I got there, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. would have been my conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't think of having a better partner that can hold that space while you're trying to overcome your shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it for myself. And so I definitely couldn't hold it for someone else. And, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I chose to separate and I think the mirror would have saved it. I think mm-hmm. we see so many divorces because we don't understand the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that I think the mirror saves marriages is mm-hmm. what I think. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss part two of this amazing conversation with Hugh Vale. And if you like this conversation, please leave a review. Feel empowered every day with wholeness videos, meditations, downloads, classes, and more by joining the Wholeness Library at thewholenessnetwork.com.